You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays at 4 p.m., heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show in the future as a podcast, we we encourage you to consider listening to the program live during our broadcast time here on octalkradio.net. This show is brought to you by Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and our newest sponsor, Smart Stop Self Storage. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better decisions. If you're listening for my interview with Brian Goodman, well, stay tuned. He'll be with us in about 30 minutes. If you'd like to join in the conversation today because you are listening to the program live and you want to either participate in and be a part of my conversation later with Brian Goodman or with my first guest, Michael Schwartz, CEO of Strategic Storage Trust Incorporated, then it's very easy to be a part of the program. Simply find the community chat room section on octalkradio.net's website. Log in with your Twitter handle. This will connect you to our engineer, whose birthday it is today. Paul, tomorrow, Paul Roberts. Sorry, he motioned to me on the screen that it's tomorrow. I see him through the glass here in the studio. So let's wish him an early happy birthday. But you'll be talking with Paul Roberts, our engineer. He'll bring your thoughts and ideas to my attention, and possibly I can work them in with one of our two guests, either Brian later or with Michael Schwartz right now. So without any further ado, let me turn our attention to our first guest. I'm excited to have Michael Schwartz on the program. and He is actually our first guest here of 2013. We're back from a well-deserved vacation because, as you know, this month is all about growth. And who better to start it? The, the program and the year, then Michael, whose firm has focused on acquisition and ownership and operation and development across America's self-storage storage industry. I'm also going to be talking to Michael about how he's been able to successfully compete against industry giants in his niche, as well as I plan to have a conversation with him during this time together about his decision and his firm's decision to buy properties and then to invest when others in his industry were not doing that. So let's welcome to the program Michael Schwartz. Welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show, Michael. Hey, thanks, Rick. How you doing? We're doing well. Let's get started with the interview by simply asking you, could you talk to our audience a little bit about your professional path to Strategic Storage Trust Incorporated? Uh, absolutely. I, you know, quite frankly, it actually goes back even a little farther. Back in uh, 1992, I moved to to New York, and my wife and I decided to buy a piece of real estate. And that real estate was actually owned by the RTC. And if we kind of reflect back, that was a time when we had a another downturn in the overall real estate market. And so that's kind of where I started to kind of cut my teeth and and uh, kind of planted the bug for real estate. It was a small transaction, but as you as you imagine, working with a government agency, it was very very complicated. And so from there. I kind of fast forward in about 2000, 2001, and I, with a, with a different firm, started to acquire office, you know, retail, industrial, other commercial type of real estate assets. And at that time, actually started to uh, do a little bit of, of research on uh, self-storage, an asset class that uh, wasn't um, um, being followed by the major institutions, but yet had some very interesting dynamics to it. And we're, we're going to talk about 
that industry, your focus on it, and some of the the ways that you've been able to grow within that industry. So before we get there, let's talk about the firm itself. So help our listeners to understand more about your firm, what you do, and sort of how you're structured today, and what's different about your firm from others who may be in your space or doing something similar. Sure. Well, I mean, I think that... Uh you know, our program, um, or our, our, it's a real estate investment trust. So we formed back in uh, uh, 2000, filed 2007, received SEC approval in uh, 2008 for our real estate investment trust. And at that time, we decided that we were going to focus exclusively in the self-storage uh, real estate arena. And primarily because um, there, uh, I think like as I alluded to, there's, there's not a lot of um, – very large um, self-storage REITs out there. There's um, Actually, if you take a look at it, there's four. And if you look at some of the other types of asset class, office, retail, industrial, hotel, et cetera, there are a heck of a lot more than four. So we saw an opportunity where there's probably around fifty to 55,000 self-storage properties, but 85% of those are owned by individuals that own one or two properties. And 15% of those are owned by these publicly traded REITs and or regional outfits. When I say regional outfits, it's, you know, someone that has put together kind of private partnerships and accumulated real estate in one um, highlighted area. And so that was kind of, I think, the, the genesis that we felt that uh, there was room in the real estate investment trust for another REIT and, a, and another REIT to be a consolidator of uh, these types of properties from individuals that own one or two. Uh, you, some of these people are we can consider mom and pops, or we can also say some of these individuals are kind of self-storage entrepreneurs. Am I correct in saying that you were the first self-storage REIT in the public non-traded REIT marketplace? You know, yes, we were. If you take a look back um, um, with the REIT structure, uh, we saw, I think, back uh, back in um, um, when public storage was formed, which is a very large um, real estate investment trust, they kind of formed with numerous partnerships that were rolled up into a, uh, a real estate investment trust. Um, after that, there was a company called SureGuard, which public storage has acquired. They started out as, as a public partnership. And so, yes, we actually formed in 2007, which was unique, and I think that underscores what we believe is the opportunity, that uh, we were the first publicly registered or SEC registered non-traded um, real estate investment trust if, uh, exclusively focusing on storage. And I think that's also been uh, somewhat of a, an edge and a driver of our, our current success. You said the year 2007, and that kind of gets me to a question that I wanted to ask you during the interview, so I'm going to just ask you right now. There was a time at which you were making investments and buying property when others in your industry because of the uncertainty related to just the economy and the recession, we're not doing that. Can you talk to our audience a little bit about why you did that and what was the impact or the result to your business by making that decision to go forward and to be bold and to make acquisitions and to make investments? Well, that's a, it's a very good question. I think that's also been a good differentiator for our organization is that uh, – you know, when the market changes, um, one of the things you learn is that uh, when the market's positive, it's it's a lot easier for everyone to be successful. But as the market changes, you tend to see who's left 
and how do they survive um, a reset in the aggregate real estate market. And I think, you know, some of it was planning. I think some of it for us was luck. And I think some of it was also just kind of never giving up. You know, in 2007, we could see things were changing. Um, the CMBS or the commercial mortgage-backed securities market was pulling back with respect to lending and real estate. In 2008, you know, things were starting to become very negative in, in, our, in our overall economy and marketplace. And as you can imagine, 2009, is, I think it was March 2009, where the stock market had its uh, perennial bottom there. And what we had learned at that point is that, and what we had realized and recognized is that, you know, real estate, there are cycles. And as things started to, to become more negative, I actually became more bullish with respect to the formation and uh, the starting of Strategic Storage Trust. And so we went out um, on St. Patrick's Day. It was uh, March of uh, 2008, and, be, and we were effective for the SEC, and we started to raise money. And we started to acquire. I think in 2008, we acquired three properties. And you know what, Rick? I had uh, a lot of people come to me and saying, why are you acquiring? You're catching the falling knife. I don't know if you you heard that phrase through 2008, 2009. And what I had conveyed to people is, yes, I am catching the falling knife because I believe that knife is not going to hit the floor. I believe it will fall. But at some point, things are going to stabilize. And so we were fortunate in that we started buying in 08 when people were selling or trying to repair their balance sheets. We were acquiring in 09 as we started to ramp up and actually raise more capital. And we started buying from people that were selling. And so we had people that had loans that were coming due, had to sell the properties. They were afraid the world was going to end. Well, you know what? We felt very comfortable and confident that the world wasn't going to end, but the world was resetting. And so, based on that momentum in 08 and 09, and again, I, I, you know, I sit here today, there were some times I had some doubts um, with the money that we spent and the capital that we committed to form our program and launch our commitment, but I never lost faith in the real estate cycle. And lo and behold, you get into 2010, it wasn't until the latter part of that year where uh, debt was starting to come back to the marketplace, people were starting to make investments. And because of how we positioned and we were acquiring in 08, 09, and 010, it really created for, I think, one of um, um, a watershed moment for us for 2011 because people were coming to us to acquire real estate because at the time most people um, 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 were not buying. And so, quite frankly, from my personal perspective, we were able to create a real estate investment trust buying in the worst of times, and really kind of cementing what I would call a significant foundation for our REIT. But again, we're not done. But it was, um, and it's still, I think, to this day, a very good real estate um, opportunity for acquiring. One follow-up question, Michael, before we take our first commercial break. Dawns on me as you're explaining what you did, and I'm trying to understand the psychology of the market that you were in at that time. Is it a safe thing to say that by being aggressive and taking the risk of making the decision to buy when others only wanted to sell, that you were able to realize some type of a asset base that is uh, advantageous to your business model moving There's forward. Absolutely no question. I mean, I think that when you look at where we're at, you know, we're a you know six hundred plus million dollar company, one hundred and ten properties, seventeen states, and uh, and in Toronto, Canada, 
And when I look at those 110 acquisitions, a majority of them were made in a time that people needed to get out. They had to sell. And when that occurs, you tend, you hear this all the time, you make your, your, your money on the buy of real estate. And so we firmly believe that also. That was a time where that we were able to accumulate some really high-quality assets at very good uh, price per square foot and, and overall economics that we believe that now things have stabilized and, and the market's changed a little bit, but it's going to help fuel kind of our next level of growth. We're going to take a sponsorship break here, just a, couple, just a little bit of time with our, with our sponsors and our advertisers. When we come back, Michael, I'm going to ask if you will share with our audience, from your perspective, your guiding principle. In other words, of all the things that you've learned in running businesses and being in business, if there's an overarching belief that you have that you're using to kind of lead and grow your firm today, I'd like you to share that with our audience when we return from this commercial break, okay? That'd be great. All right. We'll be right back with Michael Schwartz. But first, here are some words from our valued sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com Got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sea. With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. This is the smart old way to store. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart stop, the smart way to store. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and I did want to welcome our newest smart sponsor, Smart Stop Self Storage, to the program and encourage all of our listeners to check them out. They're our newest sponsor, and we want to show them affection. Thank you very much. Go online. And I'm going to return now to our guest, Michael Schwartz. I said before the break, Michael, we're going to ask you to talk about your guiding principle. Would you share that with our audience, please? You know, I will. Actually, you know, it's, it's, it's actually somewhat simple, and it's something that, that I've learned through this downturn because I think that um, it's when things change, you really uh, kind of test yourself to test your organization. And, you know, when uh, in uh, you know, the, the early 2000s when things were, you know, a lot easier, I used to worry about, what I know. And uh, one of the things I learned through the downturn is that sometimes I need to worry about what I don't know. And that doesn't mean that um, to, to, you know, to worry that, that to a point where you can't accomplish things. But yet, you need to be cognizant of the fact that here's what I know, here's what I'm looking to accomplish. But if something 
changes. Are you prepared for an alternative strategy or an alternative downturn? And I think that's one thing that has been uh, um, in the back of my mind, it continually pushing me to think about things that are not evident and, and how to protect my firm. And then in concert with that, it's uh, simple of never giving up because during that downturn, um, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people uh, started to, to, to doubt what they're doing or how they're doing it. And one of the things is it's okay to doubt. It's okay to challenge yourself but never give up because I, when I look back, is that there were some times in 2008 when I was looking at what we were building, and it was going slower than I originally planned, and we had committed millions and millions of dollars of capital in a market that was, set, that was looking like it was going to end. And you know what? It didn't end, and it was the best decision I made. But also, um, um, and, and in retrospect, I, I believe in cycles, and that real estate cycle um, is, is showing. It's bottom, it's moved forward, and I think if I would have given up, I'd be sitting back now going, why, did, why didn't I pull the trigger when everyone um, was uh, you know, essentially running out the door? So I think that never giving up is another, another aspect of, uh, of making sure you, you, know, you stay in the game. Excellent. I know in your space and from um, talking with you prior to the radio show, you compete with some large names. matter of fact, you mentioned some large names here just on the program so far. I'm wondering if you could share with our audience, because our listening base tends to be business owners and entrepreneurs of mid-market, smaller companies, and, and as I said, entrepreneurs and startup, et cetera. So help, help them to understand from your experience in your industry, how have you been able to compete in a world where you have larger competitors? Well, it's a great question because it's, it's, it's tough. And, and one of the things I'd like to convey to your listeners, in 2007, when I uh, had uh, early 2007 decided to, to form our real estate investment trust, I talked to many institutions. And most of them said I was flat out crazy because of your question that there are four big publicly traded companies and how are you ever going to get to economies of scale and how are you going to uh, be able to compete? And I sat down and said, you know what? Well, first I need a business plan. I drafted a business plan and a business plan that was very detailed um, and detailed with respect to you know, how I'm going to start, what are my milestones, how am I, how am I going to grow, but also how am I going to be effective. And through that process, we figured out that, one, we needed a brand. We could not do it in the current environment of Google and Bing and this internet environment, which is changing self-storage dramatically. Back in the early 2000s, to be successful in self-storage, you just put a, an ad in Yellow Pages. Today, there are no ads in Yellow Pages for the most part. You're trying to optimize your website for search engine, and, uh, search engines. And so most people said we couldn't compete. And slowly, what we, what we have done is we've been able to compete. And we've been able to compete by me being very, uh, you know, straightforward with our team saying, here's what we need to accomplish, but you have no money or you have a small budget. Figure out how to do it. Sometimes it takes a little bit more money, but sometimes in that process where you're pushing yourself and you're pushing other people, you figure out ways of being competitive that doesn't cost you an arm and leg. For an example, I can't afford TV, but you know what? What I can't afford is 
to uh, sponsor a, a cycling team or sponsor some MMA fighters that create social media and, and Facebook um, branding. We can also be competitive in how we optimize our website and drive traffic. And once we get the traffic, we can deliver the best customer service that, that, uh, that people expect. You know, making sure that we're transparent. Our prices are online. And so we've been able to, uh, to compete in a marketplace where these other companies have greater economies of scale. But now, being at a, at a size where we have 110 properties, we are starting to see economies of scale. And our largest market, Atlanta, where we have over 19 assets, is where we're able to, to now see the most economies of scale. And so I guess, you know, the bottom line here is, you, you know, if you have a solid business plan, you believe in your business plan, you execute that business plan. And, and as you execute, um, there's no question in my mind, people, um, whether you have one property, you have 50 properties, you have 250 properties, you can compete. But, uh, you know, it, it all ties back to never giving up. We do see a lot of people that have one or two that have been very successful, one or two properties in self-storage, and they've been incredibly successful. But one of the things is they're having a difficult time transitioning to old-school Yellow Pages, to new school of social media, to the Internet, and how to embrace that technology and drive your business. And leveraging technology is one key to you being successful um, against larger operators. And we leverage technology in that manner. What a great, thoughtful answer. And that could be any industry. It doesn't. It's not unique to your space. Any entrepreneur can listen to what you said and learn. That's why we do this radio show is to share best practices and to learn from one another because we've been doing this show for four years now, Michael, and it is, I'm amazed at how much technology and social media, the pricing of it has given power to smaller companies to create a voice and a brand that heretofore was only able to be done by these companies who had huge marketing budgets. But you're so right. Well, I think technology is the great equalizer. It, it really is. Last year, we, we tested something. We, you know, we were trying to leverage social media and not spend any money. And how do you do that? Well, you know what? We created a video jingle contest. And the creation of the video jingle contest was, you've never heard of us. Can you send us a video jingle, and we're going to allow Facebook participants who like us to vote? Um, it was a chance. Uh, there was, we didn't think that we were going to get anybody to actually um, enroll. And we had approximately 18 people that spent a lot of time understanding our business and our brand. And you know what? They created a lot of great video jingles, some that we actually use for the radio. And so... It is amazing that you can leverage, and the overall budget was very small, and we had a lot of intellectual property that we could use for marketing. And you know what? From that, I saw people on our Facebook page saying, hey, you know what? I've got a property that's three miles away from me, and I didn't even know it. And our intent was to build brand awareness and, and thereby then increasing uh, customers through rentals, and it did exactly that. So you can be creative by leveraging social media to drive your business. Necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. Final question. You know, I had a list of other things that I wanted to get to with you, but we got 
so much great content in the in the questions that I ask you. I'm going to ask you to come back on the radio program at some point later in 2013 so we can talk about these other things that I wanted to pick your brain on. Are you willing to come back at a absolutely, future point? Absolutely, Rick. All right. Come back. Final question. If someone wanted to learn more about your firm, how do they find you online? Well, you know, you can go to our, our, our website. It's uh, strategicstoragetrust.com. Uh, um, and I think, you know, right there you can, you can get all the information um, about, you know, our organization, our company, our properties, our, everything is online. And I think that's one of the, the great things about the Internet is, uh, you know, having an online business card. Again, I want to thank you for the time you put into preparing to be a guest. Welcome to our Critical Mass community, and thanks for being a friend of the Critical Mass radio program. Well, thank you very, very much, and I look forward to uh, uh, coming on in, uh, um, in the latter part of the year. We'll have you back on, Michael. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our first guest of two. That was Michael Schwartz of, as you heard, Strategic Stores Trust Incorporated. We're going to take a commercial break, and when we come back, we have Brian Goodman on the program. And Brian is a first-time guest but a longtime friend of the radio show, and I'm excited to have him on the program. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial timeout. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scam, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to be better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This show is one in our Critical Mass Radio Show series. On Wednesday, we air a show featuring Orange County nonprofit organizations and their leaders. On Thursday at 3 p.m., our nationally syndicated show, Coast to Coast, features small and mid-market business leaders from across the country. All shows can be heard live here on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. As well, all of our shows can be found on our website, Critical Mass for F-O-R. 
www.experiencebanpowerbusiness.com. All right, as I promised, Brian D. Goodman of Experience Band Power Group is our second guest. Brian, welcome to the program. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me. Let's get started by, you're welcome. Let's get started by asking you, tell us a little bit about your professional background, kind of your path to your current job as the managing director for Experis. Certainly. So my, my path to uh, this particular role is a little bit uh, un, un unusual or unorthodox, if you will. I actually started my career in the legal field. I started as a corporate attorney focused on mergers and acquisitions, venture capital, and technology transactions, uh, spending several years in-house in Silicon Valley during the big boom and bust of the dot-com days. You may recall the uh, internet giant and software search company AltaVista was the, the Google before Google. And while I was doing an acquisition of a technology company in Orange County, I met my wife and relocated here down in Orange County and joined a technology ticketing company called Pacquiolan as their in-house senior corporate counsel. Uh, it was there at Pacquiolan that I actually developed a real love for business and versus the law and decided it was time to transition my career in away from being a lawyer and more towards the business leadership side. I was then asked to develop and launch the legal and regulatory division of a publicly traded firm, uh, Resources Global, here. And I thought this was the perfect opportunity to leverage both my legal background and experience, but really focus on being what I call a, an entrepreneur. And essentially, an entrepreneur is no different than an entrepreneur, except you're doing it inside of a much larger company structure and organization. For me, that was starting a brand new division at Resources. Uh, taking that uh, business, growing it, uh, was an invigorating challenge for me, and it's something that I'm extremely proud of and very fortunate for all that I accomplished there. And after eight years, I was presented with the, the next challenge in my career, and I was recruited to a leadership role here at Experis. That is an interesting arc of your career, and you're, it, it continues to accelerate, as I said in the open before you came on the program, that this is your first time on the program, but you're a friend of the program, and I've known you for quite a while, and I, I'm interested to see how you've reinvented yourself for these different career opportunities and experience from what you're going to tell us is, is a very different uh, area of expertise than, than what you've done up to this point. So help us to understand a little bit more about the firm and what makes Experis different in the marketplace, Brian. No, I think that's, a, that's an excellent point, and I would imagine that most of your audience has not heard of Experis. Uh, Experis is a new brand. We only created it about a year ago, and it was really the merger of three different companies that were owned by Manpower. Uh, today, we're a multi-billion-dollar global professional services firm that's really dedicated to project solutions and professional resourcing. We have approximately uh, operations in 50 countries and deliver roughly 53 million hours of professional services each year to our clients. And we focus our core competencies really in three areas. That's finance and accounting, IT, and engineering. As far as what differentiates us in the market, that's uh, an excellent question, and in, in today's competitive environment, you need to really be able to differentiate yourself. I think one of the things that significantly differentiates us is our business model in the, the depth and breadth of the services that we offer and how we address those to the ever-changing needs of our, our clients. But also, we have the flexibility to have our delivery options be variable, and we can bring different types of services to our clients depending on their specific needs. Those may range from you know, thought leadership, from 
the industry expertise and subject matter experts to a true outsourced project solution or as simple as uh, staff augmentation. Whatever the client's needs are, we've got the scope and capabilities to deliver on it. What a great learning opportunity for you as well because here is a very established um, firm in manpower and bringing three different cultures together and creating a new brand in the marketplace and educating people as to who you are. It, it's, it's sort of like, it, it really builds, I think, on what, on your most recent job right before this one, where as you described that you are an entrepreneur working inside the belly of the company. Absolutely. I think there's so much that can be learn from this experience where you are taking three different businesses and bringing them in and you've got three different cultures, three different processes and businesses, three different systems, sets of management and having to pull all that together and really rise to the challenge of operating not only in today's complex business environment, but how do you manage all of the individual stakeholders within the organization and to line everyone up for success. Let's ask you a personal professional question. I, I enjoy asking this question. I get such varied answers in the four years we've been asking the question in the 600 plus interviews. I never cease to learn something from one of the guests or both of the guests on the radio program. And that's about your guiding principle. You know, you're managing director for the organization. And I'm wondering if you could share with us kind of, of all the things and key lessons that you've learned, it's, what is your overarching leadership guiding principle for this role as managing director? It's an excellent question. I would say one of the main lessons that I've learned in my career is about taking risks and pushing yourself far beyond what you think you could achieve. There was a great quote by Alan Kay. He said, if you don't fail at least 90% of the time, then you're not aiming high enough. And, you know, I really thought about that and I said, wow, you know, 90% of the time. You know, I think every entrepreneur can really appreciate that statement and would agree that when you're starting a business, that's something that you absolutely need to take into consideration and, and see it in entrepreneurs over and over. As far as guiding principles, I really would say I focus on pushing hard but being prepared for setbacks and, and doing that every day. And when I do push hard, I think I find that you'll get past the obstacles that will ultimately lead to your success. So I've certainly learned this while I was launching the, the Division of Resources, and I continue to push myself every day here as I'm setting goals for not only myself, but my team at Experis. I don't know if you happened to hear the interview that was earlier today when we were talking with Michael Schwartz, but part of his guiding principle was to never, ever give up, and here you are saying push hard. So ladies and gentlemen, ring the gong. There's kind of a teachable moment for our audience two successful business leaders on Critical Mass Radio Show today talking about persistence. I'll rephrase it in a term that I know, persistence as far as a key element of their guiding principle. No, most definitely. We're going to take our final commercial break, uh, Brian. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you to share with our audience uh, just one of the current challenges that you're facing as managing director and the ideas that you've begun to implement to address that challenge. So hold on, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back with Brian Goodman. But first, let's spend just a few minutes with our sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business -business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. 
For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Brian Goodman, Managing Director of Experience Manpower, is our guest today. Before the break, I said I was going to ask you to talk about a challenge and what you are doing to address that challenge. Brian, would you share your insights with our audience? Certainly. I, I think when I look at the role and what we're doing for our clients as a professional services organization, our greatest challenge is really managing the challenges our clients are facing every day as they're addressing their businesses in, in our global economy. Uh, we're actively working with several Fortune 1000 companies who are planning for aggressive growth in 2013, and they're looking at doing things in the areas of emerging markets, uh, mergers and acquisitions, and even new innovation. At the same time, they still have the constraints of balancing the day-to-day operations, dealing with tightly controlled costs, and maintaining stability within that organization. And it's that rapid growth that presents big opportunities for us in business, but also it creates real people challenges for them and for us to make sure that we're addressing their needs. Say so one example that we continue to see in some of our larger clients, uh, or trend, if you will, is that they're continuing to refocus their efforts and investments on their core employees uh, who will be the most valuable to them in the business in light of what their growth ambitions are, and at the same time then turning to a firm like Experience to really augment their teams with our talent and subject matter experts on a project basis. This really provides them the most flexibility at the same time keeping their costs low. For us, as a, as a firm, we have to now address how our clients are reacting to the environment, and we have to refocus in the markets. And doing so, we have to continually be aligning our organization to meet those business conditions of our clients. And we do this uh, in a couple main ways. I think one is a good use of streamlining our systems and processes uh, through the use of technology. And it's, it's that constant persistence, if you will, to always be improving and making things better. Don't just rely on what you've done in the past. And I think secondly, really continuing to hire the best subject matter experts that we can find in the industry to be a part of our team and be the ones who are out delivering the services and the value that we bring to our clients. Interesting answer, and I'm glad that you're able to share a little insight into what your larger clients are focused on because um, at the top of the show, we talked about the theme for this month here on the radio program is growth. The theme for the year in the critical mass business community here in Southern California, we call it the growth zone. Everyone's focused on top-line revenue growth and improving the operations of the business. And I think across large segments of the um, the U.S. marketplace, most people, I think, this year finally begin to realize that this slow and steady recovery that we've been uh, in is really kind of the predictor for the future. And large multinational companies that see it around the world who are focusing on growth tell me that this focus here that we have in Southern California is very appropriate. So thanks for sharing a bit of your expertise with your larger clients and your challenges. I want to ask you a personal business question, so I hope you don't mind. Thank 
talking about a time when you learned a valuable business lesson in your career, but it might have come from an experience that at the time felt difficult, challenging, or may I, may I even say painful. Brian, can you think of a time like that in your career, and would you be willing to share it with our audience? Oh, I probably have more than one that I could share. I'll pick one. I'll say one of the, the, the valuable lessons that I would say was really near and dear to my heart and and something that uh, I am definitely passionate about is being able to give back to the communities in which I, I live and work, both professionally and personally. You know, back in my early days as a lawyer, uh, you know, I was a workaholic. I rarely had time for anything beyond the office. I focused all of my energy on my career, wasn't involved in business or any type of philanthropic community or activity, and I I spend much of my time, I didn't spend much of my time connecting with other professionals. And at the time, I didn't have a family either. I can safely tell you now that those were not the most rewarding years. Uh, one of my mentors explained to me, who I to this day say is extremely wise, that the most successful professionals are the ones who are not only passionate about their work, but also deeply engaged in the broader community. So I took my mentor's advice, and about 10 years ago, I made a 180-degree turn and became extremely active both professionally uh, and through philanthropic worlds, and I'm now involved in various professional groups as well as three nonprofits here in Orange County. I'm currently serving on the Finance Committee of the Board of Directors at the Discovery Science Center. Uh, I've served for three years on the Board of Directors uh, for the nonprofit organization Human Options, which is an incredible organization that is helping women and their children in need. And then lastly, I'm also serving on the advisory board for the Center of Corporate Governance at uh, UCI. Uh, we've had Vivian on the show from Human Options, and uh, it's a great organization. There are so many worthy uh, nonprofit organizations here in Southern California and in Orange County. I'm glad to see that you're lending your talent to several of them. It, it, it does make for a re more rewarding day, doesn't it, when you blend the two together, Brian? Absolutely. I think it makes me a better business person, but I think it makes me a better individual, which in turn makes me a, a better father, a better husband, and really makes the work that we do every day and the time we spend at work more rewarding overall. As I said, this, is, this month is focused on growth segments here in Critical Mass, and I wanted to ask you if you could talk to our audience about the opportunities for growth that you see facing your business and how you're planning to leverage those opportunities? I think growth is an excellent word to use, not only for, for your theme for the month, but I think when we're talking about uh, our business with Experis, uh, it's all about growth. Uh, since we are such a new brand, there's tremendous growth potential for us because most of the world doesn't necessarily know that Experis brand and understand the full breadth of services and the capabilities. And so we're going to be spending a lot of our energy and time focusing on educating our clients and bringing those capabilities to the marketplace. And I think if you take uh, the Experis entity, which is part of the larger manpower group umbrella, we're able to leverage their global dominance uh, and 30,000 employees and 4,000 offices and over 80 countries to be able to leverage those opportunities and relationships to continue to build what we are trying to develop. Um, I think that alone is going to allow us to, to double in size pretty quickly. And when you're looking at that type of trajectory and type of growth potential within an organization, it creates all types of other opportunities uh, and challenges 
with any type of growth. You focus on IT, finance, accounting, engineering, and I'm wondering if you might be able to share from your perspective for those business owners and entrepreneurs out there who may be considering themselves future employers for people in those professions. What does 2013 hold for employers who are looking to add talent in IT, finance, accounting, and engineering? Can you give us a sense for that, Brian? Yeah, of course. I think the uh, the market's definitely changed in the last couple of years, and it's getting much more competitive as uh, the labor market is picking back up and the job market is increasing. The last uh, report that we saw in December, we saw uh, the unemployment rate decrease once again, and so that trend is going to continue into 2013. And as I mentioned earlier, I think our, our clients and corporations, and even medium to, to smaller organizations, I think they are really focusing on what is important to their business and what can add immediate value to both the top and bottom line. And those are the, the true strategic investments that they want to make. And so when we're looking in the IT, finance, and engineering world, we're trying to come at it from a perspective of having a core competency that can help augment and supplement the teams of our clients. And so that varies depending on what the client is doing. And so uh, you know, an example might be you could be dealing with one organization that is a, you know, a global bank that has a compliance initiative that is regulatory in nature and is something that is mandated by legislation that they have no choice but to adhere to. That's going to require a very different type of approach and strategy versus something where it's a client that's coming up with a new product and they're trying to leverage the innovation and the new product that they've created and ramp that up and, and develop that and deal with the operational issues with production and growth that come with that. And then that also may be quite different from an, an opportunity at an organization that's dealing with something uh, on the IT side, but they may be looking to relocate a facility uh, on onshore to another country or offshore to get the economies of scale as well as take advantage of other incentives and have to move entire pieces of their business. And the infrastructure that comes with that uh, is a tremendous amount of work. But again, it's it's one time or uh, a short-lived project, if you will. And so they're, while they're trying to determine what are these strategic right opportunities and how do we partner with organizations, I think is what the, the key thing we're seeing, instead of trying to do it alone, they're saying, how do we partner with organizations like Experis to truly have a working relationship to accomplish this goal together? Excellent. If someone would like to learn more about Experis and and maybe contact you directly, how do they find you online? Uh, online, I think the easiest way would just be my email address. Uh, you can reach me at brian.goodman at Experis E-X-P-E-R-I-S dot com. And I would imagine you could find this on the uh, Critical Mass website. I want to thank you for making time. I know you got a very busy schedule. You're traveling all over. You're, you're building this brand in, in our marketplace. And we're going to have you back in the future to, to kind of get an update on how that's going, maybe here later in 2013. I wish you safe travels, continued success in your career with this position, and uh, uh, look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks for being a friend of the program. Thanks, Rick. My pleasure. Have a good day, Brian. You too. Bye-bye. Brian Goodman, ladies and gentlemen, Managing Director for Experis Manpower Group here in Southern California.
I'm glad that he was able to make time to be on the program because I said he is a bit of a moving target with this job and covering the geography. Uh, I, I hope that today's interviews gave you some new ideas and information. And again, both guests talked about never, ever give up and being persistent in, in approaching their business. And they're both very successful executives here in the business community. For those of you who haven't seen an episode of Critical Mass TV show, well, boy, are you in for a treat. We've just finished production on our January show. The program is a monthly TV show. It will be released tomorrow to our YouTube channel, available through our website. The guest is a great guest, and I would suggest that you, um, you make some time to watch it. Founder and CEO of Yogurtland is our guest, and he's very thoughtful the interview. And I'm very happy to be able to feature him in our 10-minute TV show segment, as well as a longer version that will be available off of our website as well. So if you're listening to us live, be watching our website tomorrow for the release of our latest TV show. I'd like to thank our sponsors who make this all possible. Smart Stop Self Storage, who is our newest sponsor, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts, whose birthday is tomorrow. Our communications manager is Kelly Faltus. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. And I'm your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time I, we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass, the radio show right here on octalkradio.net.